0: Welcome to North, East, South—the podcast that is and isn't about design. This is the up-to-the-minute news. You're talking to Rob Turpin and Jonathan Ellman. Have you been drinking coffee? Yeah. Ah, that explains it. Hello, John. Good morning. Well, <laughs> <Come on. laughs> I know I'm a little late getting on board, but it's not
1: quite that bad, is it?
0: Oh, did I sleep through the night? Sorry. Um, no. How are you? I'm good. I've just yeah. been uh, hurrying to get
1: um, my picture done for Inktober. Um,
0: finishing off a couple of things and scanning, and finally done. Pouring myself a beer. Oh, you, uh, you analog dullards! <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, what,
1: are you drinking your beer digitally these
0: days, John? <coughs> yeah. yeah. No, from a can.
1: Oh, of course. Yes. What have you got? Bass. Bass? Bass Shandy?
0: No, it's not. It's proper bass. Proper bass?
1: Wow. Yeah. I don't think I've seen a proper pint of
0: bass since I used to work for bass uh, many <laughs> years do- ago. It, it's a good pint, isn't it? It is, yeah. It's a proper, first- proper, plain, nice English beer. Yeah, first ever trademark. The Bass Red Oof. Triangle. Yeah, uh, it features in uh, the bar at the Follies Berger. Does it? Oh, yes, it does, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. the uh, painting by Edouard Manet. Manet.
1: Manet, yeah,
0: yeah. He died of gangrene of the toe, didn't he? Did he? Yeah. Ah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm drinking uh, a black IPA. Is this from your box of?
1: It's <laughs> down to the dregs. Actually, it's really lovely. It's from the Saltaire Brewery. A, a northern. A northern drop black IPA with a smooth roast malt character and big American hop presence. Honestly, it doesn't taste as hoppy as
0: some, but it's good. Hey, huh. I saw, I saw a, a North North South podcast on on iTunes called North South Makers. Really? Yeah. I wonder is that other one still going? I don't know. That
1: was the one that was uh, recorded in a pub every week.
0: Oh, I don't know. I remember that one? Yeah. Was that, that wasn't anything to do with North v. South, though, was it? Or was it? Yeah, wasn't that called North and South? Or am I just making it up? Now? No, I think you're making it up. But there oh, was okay. another There was another one called North v. South. Yeah. It, every, everyone wants it, don't they? It's all the rage, isn't it? Yeah. Thousands of people clamouring clamoring for our opinion on every single bit of culture. What have you been up to? Uh, not
1: a lot apart from drawing, to be honest. We're going to have a chat about Inktober. Later, we give it a mention on the last episode. Uh, So we're going to have a proper chat about that as we're both partaking. But yeah, mostly Inktober and just making a start on some commissions. And that's pretty much been my week since we last spoke to you. Had a wedding. Uh, Got another
0: wedding coming up this week. Uh, Yeah, that's it. So uh, how many commissions have you got on then at the moment?
1: I've got... Uh, three private commissions and one bit of commercial work.
0: Well, I guess that yeah. that fills fills up your week quite nicely, doesn't
1: it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, because I'm not the the quickest at um, drawing, uh, as my wife will will uh, tell you. But um, yeah, so that that pretty much does fill things up. Um, and I'll talk about it again, but my. Uh, ink sober pictures are taking me way longer than I imagine they would <laughs> way way longer at least you know, I'm not having to research uh, Korean uh, printing techniques
0: yeah we will come on to that later
1: yeah uh, how's your week been
0: it's been fine I've been uh, yeah I've been sort of a mix of client stuff a mix of Ellie press and uh, a mix of drawing and um, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm having quite a good time. I'm, I must say, I'm enjoying the sort of the difference between all of them. Uh, not not wanting to do client work, but knowing that I commercially have to. Yeah. Uh, kind of. Um, Ellie Press is you know we're not <clears throat> I'm not rushed off my feet, but it's nice that we're getting sales uh, without much effort and um, uh, and drawing. I've got, a, uh, I've got a friend on there now, haven't I?
1: Have you? What do you mean? Well, I'm not. I'm not the only person on Alipress.
0: Oh yeah, have I not said that? Because I, I just edited the other show, so I kind of think I'm a week ahead. Um, yeah, I've got a um, a chap called Jeremy Marshall who um, you knew and introduced me to. Um, I'd actually seen his stuff before. I don't know how. Maybe maybe it it was through you, but he's um, a designer and he did some screen prints a couple of years ago, or well, maybe even even longer ago. Mm. Of uh, these sort of made up, sort of amalgamation of uh, very vectory drawings of of cameras, and I just I think they're fantastic. Yeah, um, and they're Absolutely. really really well executed. And um, and I sent him an email saying, would he mind, or would he like to uh, to sell, you know, try and sell some prints through my shop? And he very happily said yes. So um, yeah, we agreed on some, you know, three three introductory products and um we'll see how it goes i mean you know i nobody knows about me so um uh you know it's not like you're selling (laughs) suddenly selling in habitat or whatever but um you know from little seeds as it were absolutely
1: yeah everyone's got to start somewhere
0: exactly so i'm doing my best and, and i guess that's part of why i'm doing inktober um in terms of trying to raise a profile. Uh, I'm not very comfortable with the whole social media thing. So uh yeah, I think we can talk about that later in the topic of the week. Mm. I think that will take up some time. Um, so I found that really, really hard work. Um trying to sort of plan that. Um, and yeah, and marketing is hard. Harder than designers make out that it is. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think so too.
0: Mm. Um, and uh, what else have been doing? I've been reading uh, a load of Martin Beck books, which I really recommend if you like, um, not even if you like detective fiction, but they were um, written by a husband and wife um, couple in Sweden in the 60s. And they're kind of like the uh, the prototype um, of all modern uh, fic- uh, crime fiction. So, Scandi Noir. Yeah, I wouldn't call it that. No, I, I I don't know if it is that. It's 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 kind It's more procedural. It's more okay. um, rebus. More, you know, a lot of the yeah. A lot of English writers took their their call from it because nothing. Sometimes nothing. The the main protagonists aren't the, the solvers of the crime, or um, you know, they're not even involved in the the solution. So uh,
1: is Martin Beck the uh, the name of the character of the books, or is that the yeah the, the
0: couple yeah pseudonym? the cut the cut. Okay. No, the couple pseudonym. Um, no, I can't remember their names. Uh, that's really bad, isn't it? I'll, I'll drop them. But it's pair and somebody or other. But they only wrote ten books, um, and they wrote them with a mind to expose the sort of the uh, the awful nature of Swedish um, culture at the time, which they didn't oh, yeah. agree with. Um, so yeah, it's it's. It's a really, really good series of books. Thoroughly enjoying cool. them.
1: <clears throat> I'm reading um, my first John Scalzi novel at the minute. Have you heard of John Scalzi? No. Ameri- I saw, American
0: I saw, sci-fi. I saw, I saw he tweeted you back or he, you tweeted yeah. him, and, but I didn't know who he was and I I don't know where, where I would start. What, what kind of sci-fi does he write?
1: Well, I, I'm not entirely sure yet. Uh, cause when you started and it's the first one of his that I've read and I've, I think I've stayed away from his books before. I think he's only had a profile in the UK for maybe five or six years. He had a big, uh, big hit with a book called red shirts, which was like a parody of star Trek centered on the kind of red shirted, non named characters that go down in an away team who are always the ones that get killed. Oh yeah. Um, And I I think I've said before, I'm not a big fan of humour in my sci-fi or fantasy, which is why I've never liked Terry Pratchett's stuff. Um, And I think I'd stayed away for that reason. But what I found with this book, which is called The Collapsing Empire, which is the first, I think, in a a new series, or certainly you don't have to have read any of his other stuff, um, is it's just good, really good. Sci-fi, but the characters have got a bit of wit about them, which is fab. It, you know, reminds me a bit of Ian Banks. All oh,
0: right, see, so, yeah, it's got that sort of chippy.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's good. It's nice to find an author whose work I think I'm really going to love.
0: Brilliant. Yeah, I, yeah I, I, I was, I was trying to remember what his name was last night when I was looking for a new book. So, um, what's what's his surname? Scalzi. S C A L Z I. Can only be American, right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so that's good cool um yeah the other thing catching up a bit on um on our analog talk uh it's mm-hmm. been really funny to see uh last night uh grand designs which is a uh again if you're not from the uk it's a brilliant tv series which is follows uh, a chap called kevin mcleod as he visits uh, self-build projects and their owners And last night was the ultimate design couple from South London (laughs) who had spent £900,000 on a disused dairy farm in between two uh, rows of terraced housing in South London, which uh, is kind of insane. But uh, I have to say they did a fantastic job. Um, And the whole show was about patina uh, was the key word, wasn't it? It was. <clears throat> uh, most, cr- of which, most
1: of which they got rid of.
0: Yeah, they did. Sadly, it didn't end up as industrial as they they'd hoped. I think that um, yeah. sense and uh, and also health and safety um, and building regs <laughs> got the better of them. Yeah. It was a beautiful uh,
1: place, though. That
0: they yeah, it did look fantastic. And the Crondall windows, you know, those are they, crondle, are they called They call do You know the black square windows, mm. a classic English nineteen thirties look. It um, yeah, fab. I always want. I want to do. Um, we've got a partition between two rooms, and we've had to board it in. But I wanted to put those windows in, um, in between the two rooms. But they are outrageously expensive. Yeah, well, I think they spent
1: twenty seven grand on.
0: Yeah, well yes, yeah. But... yeah. I had about I had about a thousand pounds. Yeah, I could have done it with a bit of perspex and some plywood. <laughs> I don't know if it would look as good, yeah, but maybe. But anyway, it was it was really cool to see um, to see them talking about. Uh, that you know, wanting to reuse old light switches and that kind of thing, where you know, the, you know, most people who are building new new builds will put in touch sensitive stuff and mm-hmm. you know, um, hue light bulbs and all that kind of stuff, but they really didn't want to do that, um, and it kind of just accentuated the designer love of uh, records and old things. Yeah, um, but it was still going on. Thousands of years ago, because in China, I've been doing a lot of research into printing and, uh, you know, printed books were seen in China. The reason they didn't take on was one, because they were uh, uh, limited to the ruling class. So printing wasn't allowed outside of uh, of uh, the aristocracy. And two, that it was seen as um, they were looked down on because it was seen as mass produced and that writing handwriting out your own book was seen as a rite of passage. So although they'd had printed books for uh you know a thousand years it never really took off how bizarre yeah so they were kind of they were doing retro they were listening to lps
1: a <laughs> <laughs> uh, couple of, couple of bits of news uh google have had um a big uh thing conference type uh, I don't know what they call their um what do they call their big announcements uh, anyway, Google have had one. Uh, oh, their annual fall hardware gala, um, and one of the things they've introduced, as well as a, uh, as well as the new versions of their Pixel phones, which apparently are amazing. Um, the larger one of the two has got the highest rating on a mobile camera kind of rating website. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that compares
0: when the iPhone X gets reviewed. Um, yeah, the, the, the 8s, 8s have been getting not good reviews, have they?
1: No, and uh, the 8 Pluses have, have been taken to, um, not exactly exploding, but peeling apart whilst charging, which is um, not ideal. Yeah, I think ideal. they look like good product products, those Pixel phones. They do. Yeah, they look really nice. Um, I mean, it's one of those... Instances, isn't it, where Google have got kind of more control over the hardware and they can integrate it with the software in the same way that Apple can. Um, But I think one of the most eye-catching or ear-catching things that were announced were their AirPods, uh, their answer to AirPods, which are called Pixel Buds, these little uh, Bluetooth earphones. They kind of hook over the top of your ears and they're attached to each other by a cord. So they're not entirely cordless, but they're not attached to your phone. Um, they're 160 quid and they're very fancy and beautiful sound and everything and you can use them to activate uh, Google Assistant so you can ask questions and you can do whatever you want with it but also you can get real time in ear language translations which I think is incredible
0: yeah I I had an intake of breath when I read that it's like the Babel fish isn't
1: it yeah and they apparently they demoed it on stage with two people speaking two different languages, both wearing the um, pixel buds. Right. It was translating in real time with almost no lag, apparently, <laughs> which is just staggering. I mean, that's the stuff of science fiction.
0: Yeah, that no, is brilliant. Yeah, really very clever.
1: Um, and I actually saw something else that was announced about the Pixel 2 phone and someone had tweeted about it um, saying how cool it was. And if you're in a bar or a cafe and there's some music playing, your Pixel 2 phone will automatically do kind of like the Shazam sound hound thing. And even if your phone isn't on, it'll have it, it'll show up on the screen what's playing, which is very clever and, and lovely. But then someone had replied to this tweet saying, always listening.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: And that's where it begins to get a little bit sinister. (laughs) Um, But yes, the pixel buds, very, very cool, bit of kit.
0: Yeah. Speaking of kit, um, I was dissing, or I was questioning the future of Sonos, um, but today they've announced a new product where they've um, partnered with uh, Amazon and um, the new Sonos one little speaker that I've got in my kitchen is now got, uh the new version that's coming out in October um later this month is um it's got Alexa built in. So yeah. uh you can it's voice completely voice controlled. Which is So fantastic. you can use it obviously to control the music. <clears throat> yeah but also ask it, you know in in questions. Yeah. Uh but I think for music control that's that is the future, isn't it? Mm. Uh, but it's yeah, nice. To, I guess- it's nice to see that they've uh, partnered with. Because I was worried that they were going to be left alone. Um, that Amazon were going to produce, you know, high-end speaker sounds. Mm. But the Amazon Alexa, the the sound on it is rubbish. Um, is it- I don't know what the new ones like. Um, but this, you know, you you know what you get with Sonos. You, they they are really really great sound. So uh, yeah, I think I think it,
1: they had to partner with someone because obviously Google have got their own. Well it was gonna be game over, that. wasn't it? Yeah. And and Apple obviously you've got the HomePod coming out, which they've is pro- supposed to be very high in the sound.
0: They price they've priced it perfectly because it's um it's hundred and ninety nine quid. Um the Apple one's gonna be three hundred and mm. X pounds, which is outrageous for a you know yeah. non stereo speaker. But um but there you go, that's Apple for you, not know? It it is indeed. Uh, another one I saw for you, actually, which was you um, uh, you you've recently bought an iPad Pro and have been struggling with the texture between, you know, yeah. a lot of people do with the disconnect between a, uh, a graphite pencil and paper. I'm not having that bite. Yeah, um, And there's a product called Paperlike, which is a German product. Um, it's very expensive. It's, I, I think it was like 60 odd quid. Uh, it might be less. No, uh, that, I might be making that up. Um, mm. But it's uh, it's it's well over thirty quid, um, and it's meant to have a much better feel for, uh, like a paper. Uh, oh, is it? a, just it's a just film. a matte film, yeah. Okay. But it's more, it's got more bite to it. Okay, I've actually bought one um, a while ago, which cost me about a tenner, I think,
1: uh, and I haven't yet put it on the iPad.
0: Yeah, I never put it on. I haven't got um, a problem with it because I see it, you know, the whole thing's so digital, you know, the plastic tip and the plastic Mm. and the and the glass I kind of got over that really really quickly um didn't and now I draw with it I don't feel and now I've got the pencil right or the the actual brush in procreate to how I want it to be I know I know the weight when I'm pressing it so um, I don't have that that issue but I guess if you're using pencils where you're actually you know you are literally sliding (laughs) uh graphite Onto, you know, which is then layering onto paper. You're never going to get that sense, are you? No,
1: you're not. Um, I did have a, a, a guy, I was working in Shoreditch last week, a guy had a new um, Samsung Note or Samsung 8. I can't remember which one it was. It was the top-end one. And that comes with a little stylus thing. Um, and the stylus on that, is has got like a little bit of give in it, almost like a really firm felt tip pen. And that actually on a glassy screen feels better than the Apple Pencil because it almost gives
0: that little bit of traction. <laughs> oh um, Wacom had that, didn't they? They they yeah. you, you can get different types of tip. Um, and they had a like a rubbery feeling one which which felt good on the on the paper when they had a bit of bite in there on their tablets I don't know I don't know what it's like for Cintiq but um but I I don't I just don't have a problem with it maybe because I don't draw with pencil so yeah I'm still getting used to it well
1: Um, again
0: yeah yeah uh my next bit of news
1: is uh Dropbox which we uh both use we use for the show uh Dropbox has had a rebrand yeah um and I I haven't I had a look at it and I couldn't really tell what they'd done to the logo. No. Um but that's fine. But they've they created a very strange video to run with it, which was kind of Vimeo-y, hipsterish, all about creative energy. And it was very sort of psychedelic. Um really I think uh trying to push Dropbox into I think a lot of people still just use it as a storage uh, facility really, or somewhere where they can have their files so they can work on them out of the office or at home, wherever. Um, and I think they're trying to pitch it as being part of your kind of creative workflow. Um, I'm not sure how, uh, accurate that is, as a description of what it does. Um, but the video is very trippy, uh, Kind of lots of uh, sort of uh, yeah, kind of op art
0: uh, effects and things. Um, have you had a look at that? I haven't seen the video, but I've I've got that as a as a as a news item actually. Um, oh, okay. So it's Dropbox dot design, and it's it's almost it's almost. Um, have you been to that web page? I haven't actually. No. Okay. So that's like their corporate um identity introduction page. Um I haven't seen the video, so I can't really say what that's like. Uh, but it's yeah. um it's a uh okay, so they're announcing what exactly? That's what I I just couldn't get what they're announcing because well, I don't know what the app hasn't announced- really the app hasn't changed really. They've moved a few things around. The mm. logo's been flattened a little bit. So they've gone to this kind of like rather than it looking like an open box, it's now um Sort of uh, isometric squares that are pushed together that they can now animate and play with, um, but it's really, really subtle the change. Um, and I have to say, I the whole thing smacks of uh, Emperor's New Clothes. Um, yes, I can't say there aren't things of uh, that, in it that I really admire, which are um, some of the animations are really nice. And um, there's a uh, if you look at the web page, which is Dropbox dot design. Mm. Um they are experimenting with a new typeface. It's something grotesque, I think it was called. Um and it's got two hundred and fifty nine weights. So it's almost like one of those, you know, we were talking about a few weeks ago, the variable yeah, typefaces. Yeah. So if you change the width of the website, um it goes from super wide to super condensed. Yeah. Um and that, and I think that gives them um an adjustable tone for, you know, going from advertising to you know, uh, product rollout to actual, uh, interface with something, you know, very smart and simple and easy to to read. Yeah. Um, but, um, I don't like the typeface. I really don't. I think it's lo- strange. It looks like a 1950s American advertising face to me. Yeah. It looks like the face, you know, it looks like something that Neville Brody designed yeah, in bit. 1982. Yeah. Um, the, the way that they've treated the images and stuff.
1: I was thinking Um, um, it looks, the the typeface looks, it reminds me a little bit of kind of things like uh, I Dream of Genie and stuff like that.
0: Especially the lowercase a is really jarring. I I don't think it works digitally. Anyway, that's just personal taste. Um, But um, there are things in it, yeah, like the colorways is just absolute nonsense. But the, um, because it just, you know, it's. Just repeats the same colorways over and over again. Yeah. Um, but the animation on the website is fantastic. So I think you know, all in all, the the presentation is is fantastic, and the the website looks great and it's pushing boundaries. But you know, I've my my main thing that I've written is um, it's announcing that you've got something to say and then not saying it. What mm. what is it that, they, that they're but
1: doing? Maybe that's maybe that's all it is. It's it's just uh, you know rebrands
0: are a form of advertising, aren't they? You know, it gets you in the news, gets people talking about it. Yeah, but there's nothing at the end of it. There's, You know, it's not like they've, you know, it's not like British Airways rebranding and suddenly all the tail fins mm. are different flags or, uh, you know, it's not a radical change. It's just nothing's changed to the product. It's just they've suddenly said, hey, we're much cooler than you think we are. Yeah. And, and But you're not. You're just a file system. Yeah, <laughs> that's all it well, is.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's their thing, isn't it? Uh, it says, our old logo was a bu- blue box that implied Dropbox is a great place to store stuff. The new one is cleaner and simpler, and we've evolved it from a literal box to a collection of surfaces to show that Dropbox is an open platform and a place for creation. Mm. Right, yeah. Yeah.
0: There's yeah. a post-rationalization, that's what we yeah. call it in the business, don't we? Uh, we do. Yeah, but uh, but I do I do like I do like the colours and I like the way the type varies and that's it. that's it. I'm mm. done. <laughs> okay. Uh, any other news? No. Oh one, yes, one on. one a Kickstarter course. Yeah. Our friends bleep bleeps. Yeah. Uh, Benjamin the brush, the toothbrush for kids that plays music and brushes your teeth. Is uh, uh-huh. is now a Kickstarter, and I'm pleased to announce that they've raised. When I looked, it was 15 grand, and they needed 10 grand to kick it off. Oh, cool. So um, you've got two weeks to back it. Um, I'm going to buy one for my daughter. I think uh, it's a really, really cool product. Excellent stuff. Uh,
1: there's one more rebranding. Um, oh yeah. Project this week, wasn't there? What's that? Ukip. Actually, I think it was last week. Ukip. They've uh, rebranded. So, if you, again, if you're not from the UK, UKIP is the UK Independence Party, oh. which campaigned for years that? about uh, about uh, getting Britain to leave the EU. Their old logo was a, an awful purple and yellow pound sign with UKIP through the centre. And at their party conference last week, they showed the two finalists for the – don't know how they'd been chosen, but there are two options. For the firing squad. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, both going with uh, UKIP for the nation. The, the the one that came second had kind of like these purple and yellow swooshes that looked a bit like a sail, uh, which was strange. But the winner uh, was a lion, a stylized vector lion. But it is so similar to the logo for the English Football Premier League that um, I think they're going to get sued, um, the Premier League are taking legal advice at the moment, um, and it's staggering how similar it is, hmm. so that's been a, a fuel for lots of memes on Twitter this week um,
0: but it's it's mediocre branding. Is that done by Ely's finest for who Ely's finest. You know, their, their design, the d- the design thing that we talked oh, about, the yeah. design agency that were in Ely in some yeah, maybe. little terraced house, pumping yeah. out all the right-wing. Yeah, maybe that's it. Mm. Uh, but not very pretty, just
1: like the party itself. So is that it for news? Or have you got anything else you want to throw in?
0: No, nada. Should
1: we talk Inktober?
0: Yeah. Do you want to have a quick... Um, sort of recap of of what it is so we mentioned
1: mentioned inktober last week uh it runs every october and it's a art initiative created by jake parker who's an illustrator uh from america lives in utah i think or arizona uh and he created it as a, a way to get artists both amateur and professional, to participate in a in a project that everyone can kind of see. Uh, and the idea behind it is to improve your art and to kind of get your name out there. You know, it's big on social media. Um, yeah, and I think it's been going five or six years. This is the third or fourth year I've participated. Um, and this is the first year you've participated, John.
0: Um, I watched his video um, after last week, um, yeah. uh, it, which introduces it, and he comes. Yeah, seems like a really nice, cool guy, yeah. and uh, uh, he's obviously well practiced at presenting. But it's such an incredible phenomena, isn't it? Really, for something that doesn't actually try to do anything other than get yeah. people to draw, it really uh, has really, become something enormous. I've um, so yeah, I've, I've kicked off. Uh, I've done how many days is it now? Four. We've it's done day four, five. It's day five. I haven't started yet. I I don't know what's wrong with me, Rob. But when I start <laughs> researching stuff, <laughs> yeah, I can't help myself. I just get over indulgent. So I've created this. Um, I've create, I've got these little characters who are sort of describing the history of printing. But I found that every single object that they handle has to be authentic. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, they they are very um, accurate looking. They are. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so maybe you can describe your uh, where
0: you're up to, or where you started and where you're up to now. Well, I started with uh, just a bit of I just hand drew some type, which was uh, basically says the history of printing. Uh, and these little characters called Higgles and Piggles are something that I've been fiddling around with for a long long time um they're kind of characters that work in tandem with each other to um to get things done so they they are uh, you know there's a big tongue in cheek uh, borrowing from richard scarry where's wally and uh yeah i'm trying to think of other artists who, who it's similar to but it's kind of like these giant well uh, these little micro worlds with weird creatures living in them so they're That's human that. human things um, but with weird creatures, and it just allows you a little bit of fantasy. Um, I started off with well, I, I was looking at the history of printing and w- wondering, you know, where where did it all start? And I guess the first things are humans pressing their hands into cave walls um, with you know mud or oxide mixes or whatever they were, um, and they're st- you know they're still there. They're they're, they're all over the world, you know, every continent. These handprints are there. I don't think. I don't think people are uh, saying that they're particular religious symbols or anything like that. It's just that they were easy um, to do. And I, when I was drawing, actually, I thought, well, maybe I'll leave some fingers off, you know, just chop some fingers off. Um, and it's only subsequently that I've read that, that there are loads of them with damaged, missing fingers. Really? <laughs> yeah, because ah. they were so, you know, it was so... Tough, it wasn't a tough well, life. A tough life being a caveman. Yeah. Cave person. And uh, anyway, so that's where I started. And I thought, well, where do I jump from there? Because you kind of jump straight into Gutenberg, don't you? The the, the invention Mm. of printing. But we're brought up in the West to really ignore the fact that um, they were printing in the Far East for, uh, you know, nigh on 2,000 years before Gutenberg got his hands on a a printing press. Um, But before that, uh, I thought that, um one of the my, my most favorite things when i go to the british museum which i haven't been to for a long time is going into early um civilization room and looking at the cuneiform mm. uh the tablets there they're just you've got to see them in the flesh they are absolutely amazing and uh, most of them are just kind of invoices really <laughs> it was a way of counting um but they were it was the first uh, real writing system or language system. So beforehand, they were pictorial types of hieroglyphics, which the Egyptians used, you know, way past cuneiform being formed. But they are um, very uh, alliterative. And so therefore, if you don't have a key to those languages, they're very hard to translate into, you know, into modern vernacular. But the the thing about modern writing is that it's, um, you know, it's phonetic. Um, when you read the word on the paper, the word is how you would express it vocally. So therefore, yep. it's easy to understand and easy to spread ideas. And that's the main thing behind printing. You know, that, that's why it was probably the most important invention other than uh, bagels in, in the history of mankind. I don't know why I said bagels.
1: What? No, you should have said Pies.
0: Pies. So that was yeah it's been absolutely fascinating I I I've I've bored bored myself into into complete silence but um no the uh so <laughs> I that was it I that really was really interesting them. um and then I went to China and so and I started researching even the clothing that they're wearing is authentic um and these are tiny little m- m- mice uh so um yeah i think i've got i i've got, i think I've got a problem with uh over analyzing things no, but, it's, but it's, i think that's a creative um designer thing isn't it to over egg the pudding yeah <laughs> the fact that these are tiny you know like three inch square drawings i mean what am i doing <laughs> i can't help myself oh, so yeah but i've I've planned out thirty one of these and it's going to take us all the way up to you know modern times and and beyond. Um, But we're just about to hit day five is Gutenberg. So um, I'm going to stay on him for a few days. I've got quite a lot to say about him. I'm sure you have. Yeah. Marvellous. Yeah. Your adventure.
1: Yeah. So I've had um, this little, I've talked about it many times before, this idea for a comic or a story called Asteroid Belt Blues. Um, And I think one of the reasons why I've never got it off the ground as a proper comic is I've never done any sequential art, I've never done anything narrative in my drawings. Uh and so it's it's been too big a step for me. I think it's been uh just too daunting. And I was thinking about the, the different things I could do for Inktober. And I didn't want to just rehash um the sort of thing that I'd done last year, which was the isometric buildings, which had done amazingly well for me. Um, because that's just, you know, there's no point just standing still. So I decided that I would try and tell my asteroid belt blue story. Um, across October. So 31 panels in 31 days to tell this little comic sci-fi story. Um, and I'm really, really happy with, how it's coming out. I think it's pushing me to create illustrations rather than just pictures. I think I'm really guilty when I draw stuff to, to not really think about them as a, a kind of a composed whole image. And I just draw something. Um, but these panels, I've got a strict, I've got a widescreen format. we talked about formats a few weeks ago. So the the basis of all my panels is, to 1. So kind of traditional widescreen format. But I'm allowing elements of the illustrations to protrude outside of that box to break it up. Um, So in the first, in the title page of Asteroid Belt Blues, there's a big uh, asteroid, like a moon type thing, that breaks that frame. Uh, And then in tonight's um, image that's gone up, there's like a a space beacon like a kind of space lighthouse thing and that protrudes off the bottom of the frame and then the the light glow protrudes off the top um and i think it's allowing me to play with some kind of really nice composition the downside to this is i think if you're making a comic as a comic artist not necessarily every panel is a work of art it it uh, exists to advance the story but because these are individual panels and I'm working on one a day I'm kind of I just feel uh, obliged to make them uh, as individual pictures as as good as I possibly can so they're taking a long time but the upside of that is I think they're looking really good so um, I haven't got it all planned out I've got the kind of key beats in the story planned out and I've got uh, some dialogue planned out for about half of it. So I'm hoping that I either don't get to the 31st of October with, with seven panels still to do, or I don't end up finishing the story on the 17th. (laughs) Um, I think I'll be, I think I'll be just about, just about there. I've got a little bit, I've decided I'm, I've got a little bit of wiggle room if necessary, because I can always not count the first panel because that's the title. Um, but the aim is to, is to complete it in 31 panels.
0: Well, I've just seen your new one um, and it's, it's yeah, it's gorgeous. Um, is that Euro style you're using? It is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, so, it's, the, it's the traditional sci-fi type. Yeah, thing. it is. So, um, what i love about it it's very medieval illustration you know breaking the borders um with its it? expanded view yeah yeah um it just sort of yeah it it's a visual tick isn't it um, mm. it just yeah, it's very designery your panels uh, i just think it looks it looks great um and i i'm especially pleased that you've introduced a human quite early on
1: yes so i don't draw people um but there's got to be a Person in it, so yeah, therefore we'll get the pilot. Yeah. Um yeah, who I'm kind of quite pleased with. I think he looks a little bit Mobius like.
0: Um Yeah. I'm I'm happy with him or her. Well, I think the style, the consistency of it is is fantastic. And and I love the fact that you've got these little lighthouses which alludes to your grid work um but i always said about your other stuff is that you you say that it doesn't have a narrative but i think what's so good about it is that it's, there are frozen moments in time where you mm. kind of you're making up stories in between uh the panels so um and i think that's what this will do um in that kind of daily uh beat as you call it yeah. um because it's not going to have a beat like a normal like you say a normal graphic comic which has small sections big sections breakout maybe full page and it just allows you to change that pace yours is more like a space beacon isn't it It just be like the sputnik kind of thing going on um how do you feel about getting the story off your chest is it the story that you had originally or is it It much more microcosmic than that It's it's that (laughs) it's exactly the same
1: story um and I think the story originally as a comic was going to be very sparse. So it's very much about the loneliness of, of this character in space. So there were going to be big panels of just empty space. So I think one panel a day can kind of echo that in a way. Um, so in terms of dialogue, there's very little to it. And there's really only, you know, there's a... a quite a small number of key points that I need to get across. So, um, yeah, so I've managed to stick to the, the exact same story. I think at the end of the month, uh, my plan is to produce this as a, as a little comic book. But what I will do is I'll probably put in extra pages, perhaps to kind of extend those periods of, of emptiness. Um, so you kind of get more of a grasp of how, Lonely and alone, this character is in space.
0: Brilliant. Yeah, I'm really quite excited about it. I just wish they were um, quicker for me to do. (laughs) So, how how long is each one taking you, if you don't mind me asking? Way too long. Uh, three hours. All right. Yeah, that's quite four hours. Yeah.
1: But then I figure, you know, it's going to be a tangible product. At the end of it, so cool. sure. kind of justify uh, it a bit.
0: And how how do you start then? Do you sketch them out on another piece of paper, or are you were using tracing paper, or can you can you let us into your secret of how you? Yeah, do
1: it? so I've i printed uh, some little pages, uh, twelve to a sheet of A4, so I can do little thumbnails in them. And then I've printed some actual size, so two hundred by two hundred mil squares, and then with the letterbox widescreen format in the middle of that that I can actually do my rough sketches on. And then when I've I've kind of got that pretty much drawn out, I transfer that to a light box, put my nice paper on top and then redraw it and then ink it, which again is why it's taking me so long. But
0: And do you draw freehand over the top of it or are you very exacting with the tracing? Um, do you find that if you do it too much, you lose life in the drawing or...?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, my drawings aren't full of uh, vim and figure and verve. You know, they're always going to be quite static. But so when I do that final bit of inking, I, I do try and inject a bit of whether it's a, a different line qualities or whatever, but I try not to stick exactly to what I've drawn. But, um, and I think that's perhaps more successful in some panels than others so far. But um yeah, I'm just not a sketchy freehand person. So, uh, so that's kind of our
0: our Inktober projects in a nutshell. So, in terms of secrets for you know, so tell me, the complete newbie to it, how do you get like known? Do you follow important people? Do you uh, just post? Do you put lots of hashtag? Do they work, hashtags? Hashtags do-, do work. Right. Um, if I look at the stats for my
1: Instagram generally, um, not necessarily just during October, but only about 35% of the likes that I get on pictures are from people that follow me.
0: Okay. So how do you um, – How firstly, how do you get those stats? Where do you get
1: them from? Uh, I have got an app on my phone called – What's it called? It's not actually the app that I used to use. It's called Instrack, I-N-S-Track. Right. Um, And it's okay. It's not a great app, and I tend not to use it too much anymore. There used to be a whole host of apps that you could use to get Instagram analytics, but Instagram have cracked down, and they don't make all that stuff available to third parties anymore, so you can only get more basic stats. Um, I think uh, hashtag definitely work people do search for things on Instagram Um, and I think once you've got a certain level of following then you're more likely You and you get a certain amount of likes on your pictures you're more likely to then show up in the discovery tab on Instagram the kind of little search thing Uh, so then you're going to be discovered by other people and I guess that's how a lot of my likes come about Um, but I think Instagram for me Instagram is the most important um bit of social media. It's where I get vast majority of my commissions, and it's where I've got every single piece of commercial illustration work. So art editors and commissioning editors um look on Instagram for artists. Um, and I think I think one way to kind of get um to do well on Instagram, is to... to um, Oop, hang on, my pie's arrived. I think one way is to treat it like a community. So, you know, if you see someone's work and you like it, then actually like it and comment and tell them so. Um, whether that person's got 10 followers, 10,000 or 100,000. Um, and if they get back to you, then I think that increases the chance of you showing up. On the Discover feed and stuff, and you know, then maybe they're gonna like you. And last in the last October, some I don't know who because when you look at likes and mentions on Instagram, it only shows you the last hundred. So if a p- picture's doing particularly well, you very quickly lose track of who's liked it or who's commented. But at some point, someone with an awful lot of followers must have liked or commented on one of my pictures. Because I started getting eight or nine hundred new followers a day um, for a few days, um, so that's the kind of thing that can happen. If, but I think to do that, you have to treat it like a community um, and really participate in conversations with people. I think that's the best way to
0: to um, to to do well. So I guess really. you're you're, well, you're giving something back into the. Yeah. The drawing community, as it were. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, but what other social media doesn't work as well? So Facebook, um, is that just...
1: Facebook's okay, but a lot of people, I think a lot of people avoid Facebook and a lot of people aren't interested in following other people on Facebook unless they're friends and family. Yeah. Um, Twitter is pretty good, but um, I don't think that's a community where people necessarily are looking to find new art it's, it's less visual even though you obviously you can post pictures and videos and stuff i think it's slightly less visual um instagram certainly seems to be the one that creates the most conversation yeah uh,
0: and um, what, what about pinterest do, do you do you post your own work on pinterest or is that against the the laws of uh, the universe
1: no you can and i've i've only I think posted three or four of my own pictures, but that they were actually photographs. Um, I use Pinterest a lot for research and just kind of inspiration, um, but I tend not to post my own art there. Mm. I mean, it has been pinned a lot um, from my blog and from Instagram and stuff, um, but I don't know if that's—I don't know if people kind of discover you through Pinterest. Mm. I guess again, that's not a very conversational format or medium, so it's it would be hard to to find out if that were happening anywhere. you know, because people, if they follow you on Instagram, they don't they're not going to say, "Hey, I found you on Pinterest," or "I saw your tweet and decided to follow you." Inc- um,
0: it's incredible, though, that, that this this thing Instagram, it, you know, it doesn't cost you anything. You don't mm-hmm. get charged a monthly fee, and um, you have to put in a little, little bit of legwork, but. Ultimately, it could end up feeding your family um, by the way that you interact with it. And I think that people have found that with YouTube, haven't they, with uh, V-logging or whatever you'd call it. Uh, But I don't think many of the other um, social media really do that kind of service back to their users, do they?
1: No, I think Twitter has been a place where people have been discovered, particularly I think a lot of people who tweet have have gone on to produce books um, because I think it's a medium that obviously rewards the um, eloquent and the witty. Um, But I I think YouTube, obviously, you know, there are financial rewards for having a big following on YouTube that none of the other um, social media platforms can come close to. I think some vloggers can make. Uh, who's the guy? Pew Pew Die? Was it Pew Pew? Someone, the Swedish guy who blogs about video games and does live um, feeds of him playing video games and commenting on games. Recently, been in the news because it turns out he's a racist bigot. But I think last I think last year he made something ridiculous, like twelve million pounds from his advertising revenues on YouTube. Mm.
0: which is just insane. Nice. Well, let's leave it there and we'll come back and revisit how we're getting on. Um, mm. I'll probably be a broken man by the end of October. Uh, so it's only <laughs> it is the, tough. It's only the it, fifth. It is really tough. <laughs> um, And yeah. I might have uh, more than 12 likes per image. Of course you will.
1: <laughs> I remember when I first started posting stuff on Instagram, I remember the first time I really got excited about you're doing well. I think it got thirty-five likes
0: and I was really excited by that. I've never had thirty-five likes. Mm. No. You'll get there. Um so, uh website of the week or do you want nope. to go straight to Pies? I don't have a website of the week. I'm just gonna do one because uh I only because it sort of ties in with my research. Uh but have you heard of Ngrams at all? Uh it rings a bell. Yeah. So on uh if you go to books.google.com Forward slash n-grams, n for um, noodle. You can look at word usage throughout any book that's been scanned into Google Books. Uh, so what they're calling, it, I guess, is part of the Gutenberg project. Oh, okay. and you can see trends in uses usage of words. So wow. we were looking for because I was asking Jess last night, how do you spell movable type? Because I would have, I would have thought it would be e a b l e. Yes, um, but if you put the two words in, um, movable has, uh, with an A, just without the E, has replaced movable over the last century. Um, so it's now prevalent. Uh, and it's just fascinating because once you start using words, you know, obviously, yeah, yeah. like any kid with a dictionary, just start using swear words. Um, but I've put in pie, Keish uh, uh, and Flan to, <laughs> to see those it It's is going.
1: delightful to say that. Pies uh, on the up, and flan oh, and
0: quiche are uh, languishing. Yeah, they, you know, you you got to put a lid on it. Mm.
1: <laughs> well, it's got to be more than a lid,
0: <laughs> right? Yeah. Pies. What have you got? I've got a Sainsbury's Taste the Difference chicken and ham hock Short Crust pastry pie that we had uh, on Tuesday for dinner, mm-hmm. and I kept a wedge. Um, so it's cold. I haven't heated it up. Okay. But I, I just love a cold pie. Yeah, particularly chicken. I love chicken mm. and ham. It's a good cold pie. And When I ate it, it just tasted all the same, you know, because it was so hot. Yeah. But now it's congealed and a little bit, you know, might be slightly off. Um, <laughs> the paste is really good. The chicken's lovely. The ham's great. And it's just a really good kind of slice of, pie that you'd have with Mm. a nice pint of beer. Um, So yeah, I'm going to give that, I'm going to give it a a seven. A seven? Yeah. Good God, are you having a nosebleed?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, that is good. Um, I have got um, a chicken and ham pie from The Real Pie Company, uh, which is nice, short crust, uh, um, nice crisp pastry. Disturbingly polygonal cubes of ham um, that look like they've been chopped with a laser Um, but very moist that's really very good that's just exactly what you want from a chicken and ham pie you can taste it is a little bit of chicken soupy I don't think that's a bad thing it's slightly smoky ham quite salty uh, just really crisp pastry. That's a good, that's a good pie. That's going to get an eight. What? Yeah. Wow. It's an eight. Uh, and my Carla Black IPA from the Saltair Brewery is going down a treat. Fabulous. Yeah,
0: well, well, that was good. I enjoyed that. We stretched that out to an hour, Rob. We did. We not done any uh, preparation this morning. Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> good luck uh, on your uh, Inktober drawing this evening.
0: Yeah. Is it Gutenberg tonight? It's Gutenberg and the gang. Excellent. making metal type cool so yeah get over to um instagram forward slash
1: i think it's only press uk
0: i'm a designer i don't know i should be up with all this shouldn't i apologies no, no and thing. uh and thanks to all the people that have bought prints um from yeah, absolutely from us i'm sending out my first jeremy marshall print tonight oh fantastic in the morning first thing um so yeah it's all good cool good stuff uh, Right, and um, I'll see seeing you tomorrow, am I? Or are you oh, busy? Yes. No, lunch tomorrow. Are you coming down? Yeah, coming for a pub lunch. Yeah. We might, we, we might try out the English partridge. Really? Yeah, so wear we're tweed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll have my <laughs> at the ready. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Cheers, okay. John. Take care. Na-na. Bye. Sequence stars. good. Bye.